1: Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios. Presented by your local Hyundai dealers.
2: This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago.
3: WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app.
2: The Score! Score.
3: We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw.
4: Here's the 2-0. That's hit in the air to right center field. In the alley.
3: Long run for Reese, Dead sprint. Toward the warning track near the wall and gone. Moncada, who had a monster WBC for Team Cuba. He responds with a big
4: home run to the opposite field against Kyle Muller. And the White Sox strike first. Anderson is home at it's 2-0 Chicago. Well, the White Sox really hoping they get uh, some production from Moncada. Only had 14 homers last year and about 450 at-bats. They need him this year to get going.
2: Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The score. Fun first hour, more to come. David Hall, Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. Time now to go out to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. That's where we find Scott Merkin from MLB.com, covers the White Sox. And, Scott, we heard from NBC Sports California there, a highlight from a two-run home run that Yohan Moncada hit against the A's. And certainly it's been an interesting spring for Moncada as part of team Cuba expectations range from okay cynicism about him being injured again to Bruce who predicted he might be the MVP having that kind of a big bounce back season what are your realistic expectations for Yohan Moncada in 2023
3: yeah I think that sums up pretty much the entire team's expectations right where it could be once again maybe slightly better than last year to maybe they can you know win the AL Central, which should be a a three-team competitive race and uh, can can contend for, you know, at least an AL championship, if not the whole thing. Yeah, I I think, you know, Moncada summed it up well the other day when he was talking to us after he came back from the World Baseball Classic Competition that, you know, a big thing for him just is healthy. And he was – or being healthy, I'm sorry, good health and being healthy. He hurt himself literally, I want to say, three days before they broke camp last year and headed to Detroit. He's trained in oblique, and and those are not easy injuries to – come back from, I'm not even sure if I have an oblique, so I've never strained one before, but from talking <laughs> to players, they uh, you know, they tell you how difficult it is, how that's just not like a, you can't just put that and say, okay, in two weeks you should be able to do this, and in four weeks you should be back to normal. So I think that affected him from the beginning of the year, and I think if he stays healthy, he's got the ability to be an elite player. Now, you know, he's had an elite season, I believe it was 2019, he's had a good season in 2021, and then some, you know, not great seasons. He's still an exceptional defensive player in third, even if he's not at the top of his game offensively. But I think the White Sox are looking for that complete Johan Moncada and not just, you know, a guy who's going to go out there and hit 25 home runs and drive an 80, but a guy who can run a little bit, a guy who certainly has a great, you know, knowledge of the strike zone and can get on base via the walk. And I think they're hoping that this year he, he comes back to that form.
4: Mark, uh, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure, uh, having you on the show. Uh, my, my, my partner, David, uh, is picking Tony La Russa to be the runner up for manager of the year in the American <laughs> League because he's not there. OK, so that's that's part of what's going on here. But my question to you is, what impression do you have of Pedro Grafal now in a full spring training, watching him in action, well, watching him and his mannerisms with you and the rest of the, uh, the, the guys that cover the team? What are what are your thoughts about him?
3: a uh, great guy overall uh, very focused doesn't like wasted time you know is doesn't have long workouts just to have long workouts very focused on what he wants to do has stress fundamentals now again when you say it's stress fundamentals that's kind of like saying you know hey i like your new haircut meaning i didn't like the old one and saying that none of the other managers before the stress fundamentals it wasn't like last year the Sox came to camp and sat back and smoked cigars and played cards for the entire time. They worked hard last year, too. It just was they a bad season. They should have. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, you know, I, I've talked to him about this, and I've talked to others about this, that, you know, he clearly from what Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and everyone else who's talked about it, won the interview process. They said that they had an idea he was going to be the manager from the first interview. He's, you know, said the right things in the media. Not said the right things. He said what he believed. And it's been encouraging to fan base and encouraging to everyone who's following the team. He's run spring training like the players want, but like he wants more importantly, and it's kind of melded together, but now starting, you know, March 30th is the, is the real test, right? So, I mean, you can, you can win, you know, Rick Hahn always joked about, there's no trophies for winning the off season. Well, you can win all that stuff, but once they throw that first pitch, once Fran Valdez throws that first pitch at minute Maid on Thursday night, then the real test begins. Now, you can't parse every single game as the test, you know. I mean, you got to let it go for a little bit, whether they go three and one or one and three or whatever. In Houston, it's not; it doesn't mean the season changes. But I think they have the right man in there. You know, I have to admit I didn't know a ton about Pedro before he joined. I knew he, you know, did good work in Kansas City. Was there for a decade. Was the bench coach, very close to George Brett, who's a you know Hall of Famer, great baseball guy. And I, I'm impressed by what he's done so far. I think he has a lot of energy, and I think he has a, a really – he wants to win, and he knows the way he wants to win. And he's talked about that one-on-one with me and as a group that, you know, culture, building the culture that he wants. that I mean, a little bit like Ricky Renteria, which is a, a high compliment in my books. I think Ricky did a real nice job managing the White Sox. So in in that sense, the same sort of focus, the same sort of idea.
2: Joined by Scott Merkin from MLB.com, covers the White Sox here and inside the clubhouse, Bruce Levine, David Hall, until 11 o'clock. Scott, yesterday on Friday, Dylan Cease was announced as the opening day starter. Not a huge surprise. Then he goes out and pitches six scoreless and backs up and reminds us why. But to me, I wonder if a bigger development in that game, if it was just a spring training game, Aaron Bummer makes his debut. This is a guy that I think is very interesting and could be key. He pitched a scoreless inning. He's a guy who uh, had some issues. Where are you or where are the socks with Aaron Bummer, and what's reasonable to expect from his role?
3: Well, I think you have to go back to the conversation I had with Aaron a few weeks ago where he told me that he had taken a step back. Not him. The team in general had decided with him to take a step back at the start of spring training because, as we know, spring training is a very long period. It's you know, 44, 45 some days, and they had plenty of time to ramp him up. And he said at that point, He was going to be ready when they left camp March 28th. Well, you know, we'll find out soon. We go into the clubhouse how he responded to yesterday, but he's right on track. You know, Pedro Gofroll stressed the other day that it's a day by day thing. You know, he's not getting too far ahead of himself, but how he responds today is a big thing. And yeah, he's a key component. When Aaron's healthy, he's a a great high leverage reliever and someone who can fix, I'm sorry, who can fit into that high leverage late inning equation. While especially while Liam Hendricks you know continues to receive treatment for you know for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and he told me you know Aaron told me that he knew, thought he was going to be ready at that point by March 28th he was not worried, and to this point everything has followed in place so it looks like he will be ready by March 28th and again we have to see how he responds to the outing yesterday but that's a good sign that he was off the mound in a game yesterday.
4: Maybe the most interesting question I can ask you is how many Marriott points do you have now? Uh, knowing that you've been there another forty-five, you stayed in a Marriott for the last fifteen years covering the White Sox, uh, probably in the three million area. But
3: uh, well, as, as you know, Bruce, as is the story of life, right? They go out a lot faster than they come in, right? So you yeah. know they they disappear pretty quickly. You know, it, 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 same with like. Uh, flight points, you're like, huh, that's that's 120000 to use it on that flight. That's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm going to Detroit. That doesn't make a lot of sense. But, um, yeah, th- there's been a, an abundance accrued over the year, but they also get used over the years, too. Uh,
4: my, my real question to you of interest would probably and hopefully of interest is, uh, is Pedro Grafal slow rolling? ronaldo lopez as the closer on purpose to take the pressure off of him and take the focus away from the rest of the bullpen guys to just show up on the first game of the season and by the second game of the year he'll have his closer and it'll be lopez
3: i mean it could be but i mean i i believe also that he believes in you know you talked about attacking pockets of high leverage situations and i think that. I don't know if they will name an official closer. I I don't know if you remember, Bruce, in 2012, Robin Ventura's first year. We didn't really know the official, or if you want to say official, the guy who was going to be closing until Hector Santiago protected a lead in the ninth inning of Game 2 in Texas. So that was when we found out, you know, hey, Hector's the closer. But they do have options. You know, Lopez has looked great. Lopez looked great last year in the relief role. It's funny, Lopez talked to us at the end of last year about, you know, yeah, he still may want to start. It still may be on the agenda at some point. And this spring, it's all about, you know, closing. It's all about not closing, but relieving and pitching in high leverage late-inning situations. You have him. You have Kendall Graveman. You have Joe Kelly who can do it. You have Aaron Bummer, if you, you know, assuming he's healthy and breaks with the team. I mean, even Jose Ruiz looked outstanding with Team Venezuela. And, you know, no offense to the Cactus League games and Sloan and, you know, Talking Stick and Camelback Ranch, but – in higher intensity games, really nothing but high pressure games in the world baseball classic. So you have options, you know, you would think Lopez would probably be the guy, you know, in in replacing Liam Hendricks. And of course, always the the best thoughts for Liam Hendricks and his wife, Christy, what they're going through right now. But, you know, Pedro might be focused on, yeah, he may be the guy that I'm leaning to, but we're really going to play it by the situation who's available, who we need in the seventh first, who we need in the ninth and go from there.
2: Scott, if you would have told me that there would be a White Sox slugger that I would have health concerns about heading into uh, opening day, days before opening day, I would have said, okay, that makes sense. Maybe it's Aloy, maybe it's Luis Robert, maybe it's Grandal or Mancada. I would not have had Andrew Vaughn at the top of the list, and yet he has been – Sideline with a back issue. Uh, I wonder where that's headed, how much Sox fans should be concerned. is It is an injury to, hey, a, a key guy, so it's not the, the first time we've been down this right. road. But Andrew Vaughn does not have a history of being a guy who's often injured. What do you think?
3: Yeah, he you know, just by judging by demeanor, he seems very upbeat. Moving around the clubhouse, you know, he's not like kind of just in the training room. We never see him out there. I know he played in a B game yesterday, or I'm sorry, a minor league game. On the backfields while they were in mesa yesterday and had some bats ran well again it's always the day after that you want to see i mean it it sounds like it's normal or it's not normal but it's spring training tightness at the back the only thing is you always as someone who has a back injury although as someone who's not close to the physical condition that Andrew Vaughn is but you know those things can stick with you for a little bit so that's the one thing that i think about that worries a little bit but he he has played it down Um, Pedro has played it down. You know, he has not played in a cactus league game since March 12th, but he did play in a minor league game. So they do believe that, you know, he had 31 at bats before he got hurt. Maybe, you know, I've seen this happen before where they just, there's sometimes where pitchers who appear in like one cactus league game and do all their work in the back work in the backfields where they, in the minor league side, where they can kind of control the action. You know, if they want Andrew to hit six straight innings, he can do that in the minor league side. You can't do that in the cactus league game. So, you know, I, I, you have to go by what they're saying and what he's talked about, and he does not seem very worried about it. I mean, the only thing is, you wonder if it's just normal soreness or maybe a little abnormal soreness that's come along from ramping things up in spring training, and hope it's not something that's anything chronic. But there's nothing that we've seen that leads us to believe in that in that area.
4: Scott Merkin from MLB.com with us on Inside the Clubhouse for a few more minutes here, and. We know, you know, I haven't covered 40 spring trainings myself, that uh, <laughs> the last few days is all about roster. Okay. What's the shocking news that comes out of Sox Camp about who or who doesn't make the roster? Is there a chance Leori Garcia, for instance, gets released even though they owe him for another contract this year? Right, is there a shocker that's going to be. Uh, given out this week by uh, the next few days by Rick Hahn when he talks to you guys?
3: I don't think there's much of a shocker because I, I, I view shocker as more like a prospect who's highly touted, who, you know, sneaks on the roster and plays a role starting spring training. And really it's down to basically the eighth pitching spot. And then maybe the last two bench guys, you know, or I shouldn't say bench guys, reserve guys, you, you, with your figure, Sebi Zavala and Gavin Sheets on the roster. I guess the one guy who's who has a chance, well, two guys who have a chance who look great in camp are uh, Hanser Alberto and Jake Berger. And Jake had, you know, a good run last year, too. Both very good against left-handed pitchers. So that's a guy that I could see. Those are guys that I could see if you give Oscar Colas a night off or a day off, put a lawyer right, that maybe they step in and designated a hitter. Alberto can play around the infield. You know, I, I don't know what to say on Leary at this point. I, I think at this point, He's going to make the opening day roster, but you know we have to wait and see. Romy Gonzalez had a, a very strong last few weeks, and again, I don't think even go by results just how they've kind of looked out there. So I don't know if there's any shocker that's coming. I just think there's some, you know, kind of late battles to decide. Billy Hamilton's still in there, Jake Mariznick still in there. There's still some interesting decisions to be made if they haven't been made already and just haven't been announced. But I think more that that kind of right-handed bat off the bench. But if, I think if you keep a guy like burger or alberto then you probably well i guess you could still go with Romy over you know leary garcia so there still are a few things to kind of be sorted out but i'm not sure if there's any kind of sh- call from mom answer it call silenced
2: instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy
1: Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Shocker
3: that's going to come from the roster decisions.
2: Scott, I've been surprised that they haven't been more declarative about Oscar Colas being the opening day right fielder. I know they don't have the same type of uh, announcement or coordination with MLB to say this is our opening day right fielder, but is there any doubt? And uh, and might he be somebody that – is there a chance that he might not make this opening day roster because they want to see him more as Charlotte for whatever reason? That wouldn't make sense to me, but you're there, I'm not.
3: Okay, I'll rescind what I just said to Bruce. I think that would be a shocker if Oscar Colas did not make the opening day roster. That would be a shocker to me. I, I think, you know, I, I think, and you, you guys know this from covering sports for a long time. I think there's a parameter, there's a, a framework of things that are known before they come to spring training, and they just don't announce them just to, you know, because they don't feel like everyone has to have every ounce of information that's going on. I'm, I'm fairly certain. They knew this rotation lineup for a little bit, you know, starting rotation. It wasn't suddenly they said, "Oh, okay, let's let's do it this way." This was lined up probably coming into camp, if not well before that, after they had everyone in place. And I think it's the same thing. I think they, you know, they kind of knew Colas was going to be the right fielder. They wanted him to show that he belonged, and I think he's done that. I think, you know, is he going to be perfect? No, I mean he's a rookie. Is he going to have some pitfalls along the way? Of course, but I also think that he's. You know, going to be a, a good player for this team, and the key thing is he doesn't have to be the player, nor does he have to even be one of the like front five guys. You know, he's in a very good lineup, so he can, and, and he has a very deep um, quest for knowledge. He's, he's he's really willing to learn out there. He's taken instruction very well, and they've worked hard with him. They've worked hard with him on a lot of little things too: secondary leads, hitting the cutoff man, little things that are important. So I would be very surprised if he's not the right fielder for the White Sox this year.
4: Is the, or are the Chicago White Sox going to be a better defensive team? Because if not, it's going to be hard to, to get to that 91 wins that I'm projecting for them. Make a case, Scott, for the fact that this will be a better defensive team from what you've seen in uh, spring training, the players that are going to be manning those positions.
3: Well, I think right now you got guys healthy. So you got, you know, Tim at short, although Elvis Andrus did a very nice job at short when he came in for Tim last year. Andrus at second. Moncada is healthy. But I think, you know, and this is no offense to guys like Andrew or Gavin, but they were kind of learning the outfield as they were playing the outfield. You know, not the easiest time to learn a position while you're playing a major league game. Now you have a gold glove defensive player in Andrew Benetendi in left, you have a gold glove winner in center in Luis Robert. You have a very good defensive player in Oscar Coss, or so he looks in his early stages, who played a lot of center field in the minor leagues and before in his uh, Japanese and Cuban career. So I think right there, they're just better aligned. You have guys who belong at the position. So, yeah, and, and, you know, again, they've hammered the fundamentals this year. They've really gone after him. They did last year, too. But I think they have guys in position to make this work this year. So they should be a better defensive team.
2: Scott, great stuff. Really appreciate your insight. Uh, I'm glad that you have survived spring training. Looking forward to another season of your coverage. Safe travels.
3: Okay, guys. Anytime. Look forward to talking to you soon.
2: Scott Merkin from MLB.com covers the White Sox. A lot of good information there, Bruce. I think that the Colas issue is something that has uh, I think it's one of the more underrated aspects of this spring training. The fact that he has so quietly maybe just assimilated himself into that environment and i think he's going to have a very interesting rookie year
4: i want to see the little things done i I, I want to see guys hit the cutoff men okay i want to see eloy 99 percent of the time as a dh i don't want him out there on skates okay in right field uh we saw it the other day you know he almost ran into a wall and then he took a a right it looked like he was at a disco And, and it's no offense to him It's just no. He just cannot play a position out there. Okay, he is what he is. He's an outstanding major league hitter. Let him hit, please. Just let him hit.
2: Did not realize number one that Eloy triggered you to that extent this week, and number two, I didn't realize they still called him. I I didn't realize they still called him discos.
4: Yeah. Well, you know. I'm an old guy. What can I tell you? You remind me all the time. But let me let me just <laughs> say not. this. Come on, Bruce. What? There's this sensitivity about, oh, Eloy wants to play right. We, we don't want to kill his uh, desire. Come on. Give me a break. The guy's making a ton yeah. of money. He's a great hitter. He's smart enough to know that he's got to be out there for 550 at bats. If he is, he's an all-star case closed why do you want him dancing in the right field and, and jeopardizing your defense his health uh, just making you know look silly out there the guy there's nothing offensive about the fact that he's one of the better hitters
2: in the American League please just let him hit we agree on that wholeheartedly Bruce three words let him hit three more hide his glove so that's <laughs> the White Sox take. We're going to shift gears. Drew Smiley, lefty for the Cubs, had a very interesting spring, had a great second half to the season. We will talk to him next. It's Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score.
4: sucks! sucks!
3: We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine
0: and David Haw. Yeah, hanging out here with Drew Smiley. Back for more, man. What made you decide to – come back to the cubs this year i mean honestly this was the one place i wanted to be i wanted to come back so bad um i'm really happy that it all worked out just the relationships here the coaching staff the training staff the teammates the fans the city like you go on and on it really is just like it's where i wanted to be what do you think of this cubs fan convention i mean it's like the start of a marathon block behind us right now Yeah, i know i mean i've heard a lot this is my first one so it's new to me but um i've heard a lot That is pretty intense. It's pretty cool to
2: come here in the middle of the winter and and mingle it up. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, that was Drew Smiley with Mark Grody at the Cubs convention earlier this winter or in January, and you hear the excitement in Drew Smiley's voice. We're hoping to connect with him soon, Bruce. But when you look at his final 11 starts after the All-Star break, 2.83 ERA in command, a guy you trusted you understand why, number one, he'd want to return to Chicago and play for the Cubs, but secondly, why the Cubs would want him in that rotation. They do have some depth. They do have some good young pitchers that they're high on, but you can never have too many veteran starters you trust. Well, you know, and I
4: I like the idea of a veteran left-hander, too, to go on with Steele. You know, there's more balance in the rotation for for the Cubs right now than they've had for a while. And, uh, you know, Steele certainly had his come out year last year. He showed that he uh, established himself as a major league starting pitcher. But Smiley, you know, there's never been a question about the, the quality of Drew Smiley as a person or as a uh, pitcher for a team, you know, the only question marks have, have been uh, whether he could stay healthy or not over the last few years. So uh, with that in mind, from, from the very beginning of last year until now um, you know, Every time I
2: talk to Drew Smiley. So, Bruce, as he was saying, Drew Smiley comes back to the Cubs to provide a little stability. I think when you look at that rotation, now you've got Stroman in at number one. You've got Jamison Tyone locked in at number two. I think that you feel good about everything else with Justin Steele that you've seen. And then Drew Smiley, if it matters, is your fourth starter, and there's debate over who should be the fifth. Hayden Wisniewski has been somebody who – Looks like he deserves that fifth spot, but at the same time, Javier Assad, who was very strong uh, at the end of last year as well and had a baseball classic uh, performance to to uh, speak of and to feel, to build off of, he's another guy in the mix. So the Cubs have uh, some depth at the in the rotation. They feel good about their bullpen. It will be a closer by committee uh, approach. Everything was and, right. And, um, and I think that's the one thing that you consider a strength going into the season, Bruce. They're starting five, and then the bullpen by committee. I know you don't like the committee, but they've, they've got to feel good about the pitching right now.
4: Well, I think so. I, I think it, it could be a strength for the Cubs. And, and, you know, like I said, there's no one really established uh, other, you know, than a couple names in the bullpen, but they, they have some outstanding arms. Uh, you know, Thompson has come a long way, David. To be uh, one of the major middle to setup guys uh, going, and then you have you have asad who uh, looked tremendous during uh, the Team Mexico portion of WBC. There's a lot of good arms there, and uh, you know our next guest here will probably be able to elaborate.
2: Let's go out to the guest hotline, uh, sponsored by circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. That's where we find. Drew Smiley, Drew, thank you for joining us here on Inside the Clubhouse. How are you doing this morning? Good. Hey, guys, how are you? Doing well. We were just talking about your second half last year after the All-Star break, the consistency that you offered the Cubs, and I just wonder how this spring uh, have you seen a, a carryover effect and how, uh, how much are two seasons connected because of the way you finished so strong? Can we expect the same kind of performance in the first half of this year?
0: Uh, well, I sure hope so. Uh, I don't know how much the two seasons are connected. I mean, you know, I feel like every year, um, regardless who you are, you either get better, or you get worse, you know, so you're going to have to put in the work. You're going to have to do your homework, do what it takes to stay healthy, um, and continue to grow as a, as a pitcher. So every year I just take it a little bit different. I want to go out and prove myself and, um, you know, my mindset has always been just try to give your team the best chance to win. Try to keep them in the game and and let the defense and hitters uh, score some runs. And and you know, like I said, you come off the mound in the fifth, sixth, seventh inning, and you have and your team has a chance to win that game.
4: Drew, it's great uh, having you on this show. Thanks for taking some time out. I wonder if you can compare the 2021 Braves and some of those great young arms that have come on to be. Uh, you know, a world champion and a consistent winner in the uh, National League East, and and some of the arms that you see coming with the Chicago Cubs uh, in their, uh, you know, from the trades they've made from the uh, from the uh, minor leagues. What what are you what are your thoughts about what you've seen as far as Cub pitching goes moving forward?
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of good arms in camp. Uh, a lot of really really good arms. Um, you know, I I, I think that a lot of it just comes down to mentality. I think, you know, this the, especially these this day and age, it seems like every young guy that you see come up or, or you know throw bullpens in spring training, they just have electric stuff, and it it really is just going to come down to mentality and, and how they believe in themselves and trust and how they can repeat their delivery and and uh and have the, and kind of. Push aside the names they might see in the lineup when they're young kids, and they've been watching some of the older guys play and, and admire them. And then, and then they kind of have to switch to game mode, where it's like now you got to get that guy out. And I think that's one of the bigger hurdles for young guys to to believe in themselves and realize that they belong and they're just as good as the guys sitting next to them.
2: But see, I, a, it's been exciting. Yeah, go ahead. As a, yeah, no. As a veteran, I say. As, speaking of clearing hurdles, how difficult has it been to? get uh, an adjust to the pitch clock this spring because as, as a guy who's pretty efficient what's been the biggest adjustment for you
0: uh i'll be honest my very first spring training game it, it was a little bit of a shocker for me i didn't going into it i didn't think i would i would be uh that bothered by it I thought I was a fast worker, and I, you know, I got the ball and threw, and I didn't think it would really pertain to me that as much as some of the other pitchers in the league that take their time. Um, but I was I was a little shocked my first game. It definitely sped up on me. It was definitely, like, in the back of my head. Um, but as spring has gone on, it's definitely gotten more comfortable. I, after my first game, um I was definitely taken back, but my last two, three games that I've pitched in spring, I don't think it's been an issue. I think you just kind of adjust and you get used to it. Uh, you know, we'll see as it goes in spring training or as we go into regular season. I, I think the base running thing is might be the biggest issue, but in terms of, like, throwing a pitch and, and the pitch clock in terms of, of, like, starting your delivery, I don't think that's a big deal. I think what might get tricky is, you know, when you start playing some close ball games and you got fast runners on base and you can only pick off once or twice. And then the the holding the running game is going to probably be the biggest issue and key with, with pitchers. Now
4: drew every pitcher that I've known in in my career as a reporter always has two or three games where after his career is over and I talk to them again, they'll say, yeah, you know, if this guy would have just uh, gotten to a ball quicker, I would have won this game. Our team would have won this game. We would have been in the playoffs. Uh, why I bring that up is it appears the Chicago Cubs defense is going to be vastly improved this year. What have you seen, and how essential is that for you, knowing that you have gold glove potential at, at in left field, in center field, possibly right field? Suzuki was one in Japan. Second base shortstop, two veteran catchers. What, what does that do for you? Your confidence, as well as the rest of the pitching staff.
0: Well, I, I, yeah, I think that's exactly it. It just gives the pitching a ton of confidence that the defense is going to make plays behind it. Sometimes, you know, a pitcher could, could put a little too much weight on his shoulders, where it's like I got to strike this guy out. I gotta, I gotta take it into my own hands. And um, with the defense that we have, I mean, like you just said, it's literally all across the field from outfield to catchers to, to all the infield positions. So, I mean, we got two shortstops. I mean, Wisdom's great at third. Morel's over there. He, he's basically a shortstop. We got Gold Glover at first, all through the outfield. It's, it's so exciting to see as a pitcher because now you can just, I, this is the way I like to pitch regardless, but it's, it's, be aggressive, attack the hitter, make them put it in play. You know, like my job now is to keep it in the park. Don't let him hit homers, but but give the defense a chance to work. And uh, when you know your guys are going to be running down plays and, and sometimes to, to the normal baseball fan, you, you don't really notice it. Um, but when, you, when you're when you in the dugout and you watch 162 games and you play different teams, sometimes you can see it that where you're like you give up a, a double down the line and and to to the normal fan, you go, oh man, that's that's a nice double. But when you go watch some of the some other teams that might have really good defense, they're just a, there's always a player there. It, the ball gets caught, and it looks a little routine, and sometimes you don't notice it. But but the players, you know, we see those things, and we're like it just changes the whole outcome of a game. You know, it, it, they just, players are able to get to ball and they get out. And you might not even realize that on another team, that's just like, that's just a double in the gap. But on our team, that's an out. And that's just it's such a huge relief and benefit to, to when you're playing 162 games in nine innings.
2: Drew, Tommy me how to, he's a regular guest on our morning show. So it's a privilege to be able to talk to him on, on a regular basis. And he talks a lot about the approach and the Cubs uh, approach to pitching and, and the pitching lab and a lot of things that the organization is proud of. wonder, from your perspective, as a veteran who's played for a variety of teams, in your mind, if you had to describe what distinguishes the Cubs and their approach to developing pitching and what they do for pitchers, how would you do it?
0: Um, I mean, honestly, guys, that's one of the – besides, you know, just – being a Chicago Cub in the atmosphere at Wrigley and, and just how much energy there is daily. That's the main reason I wanted to come back here is I absolutely love the coaching staff and the front office and I, their, their ability to put the pitcher in the best position to succeed. They're so talented when it comes to pinpointing what you're really good at. Uh, if you start to veer off the tracks, they're, they're so good at getting you right back on it at a quick, you know quickly and in an easy way. I've been on teams where you know the game's hard sometimes you don't you get you pick up bad habits and you start going down a road and you don't even realize you're doing it and uh, if you if you go down that road for too long you're you're lost and it can start spiraling and you don't really understand what what's happening why your pitches aren't moving what the way they're supposed to um, why you're getting hit the life on your pitches have just kind of like evaporated and and Tommy is so good with just, like, they pinpoint it right away. I mean, I've, I even went through the spring where they came to me relatively quickly after my first couple of games, and they're like, it looks like your your arm's a little late, your, your elbow's dropping at, at, when you're landing. You need to try to get your pick your arm up a little bit more. And, and it's a very minimal, easy fix. But if you don't have somebody kind of helping you with that, and and telling you this is the right way to go then you could just like i said you could start going down a really bad path you could spiral and um as pitchers we're so focused on results and other things sometimes we just lose track of of little minor mechanical tweaks and the cubs just have such an awesome infrastructure when it comes to all of the above, from mechanical issues to, to relaying to the pitcher, or the player, like exactly what makes them good, how to game plan, how to attack hitters. You know, it's it's like it's really it blows me away. And uh, they there's a there's a big gap too in on some teams on how to relay the information from from say the front office to the player. The Cubs are really good at gathering the info, handing it down the, the chain, and getting it to the players so they can you know, continue to work and and get better.
2: Drew, best of luck this season. Great uh, talking with you, catching up after spring training, and and we look forward to talking to you again down the road. Thanks a lot.
0: Okay, awesome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it.
2: Drew Smiley, Cubs left-hander, talking about the Cubs and everything about spring training, Bruce. Real mature presence on that staff. Real good, reliable guy who had a great second half to the season.
4: And had other choices, but uh, told me from you know August on last year, my goal is to come back here and pitch. You know uh, I love everything about being here. What he just told you about the coaching staff and the atmosphere in the front office. So uh, that's a it's a it's a great thing. It's it's not an overstatement to have veterans that really buy into what you do uh, when you bring them in. I've seen too many soldiers of fortune to come in, tell young players, hey. It's all about what you do and your plan. Forget about all the all the coaching. Just it's your career. Go ahead. That that is not the case with Drew Smiley. He is certainly a guy that has bought in to what the Cubs are doing and what they've done.
2: We're gonna come back and wrap things up. But remember, today is a big day in the NCAA tournament, and your bracket may be busted. But do you still want to be in on all the action? Yes. Follow 670 The Score in the Odyssey app to unlock two months of free betting trends, models, best bets, and more. Simply download the Odyssey app, create an account, follow 670 The Score to unlock your two-month free trial of BetQL. We'll wrap things up here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score when we get back.
3: We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw.
2: Welcome back. We only have a little bit of time left, Bruce. It's our ninth so let's close out strong World Series predictions. We made our MVP predictions. You were over your skis and saying the White Sox are going to win 91 games. Let's go with the World Series predictions. What do you think? Start with you because I want to lead with our most outrageous prediction.
4: Well, you know how tenuous this is, David? I had the yeah. Yankees uh, winning the World Series. that He incurred. That means him, Rodan, Montas, all likely starting the season on the IL. So I was going to pick the Yankees uh, against the Braves, a repeat of the uh, 1992 World Series, but um, I'm going to have to go with Toronto. I'm going with Toronto, and I'm going with the Braves. I'm going to have, I'm going to have the Braves
2: winning the World Series. So. I am going to go similarly, Bruce. We did not compare our notes because I wouldn't dare uh, cheat on my homework by looking at yours, but I think I have the Phillies in the National League. They're going to get back to the World Series. They're going to win a pennant, and the Blue Jays are going to win in the American League, and I think the Blue Jays will beat the Phillies in seven games um, to uh, make you know, a little little uh, history in Toronto. So I have the Blue Jays winning the World Series in twenty
4: twenty three. Well why don't you just have Schwarber hitting a, a walk off Homer to win it for him and then uh Cub fans still going, how did you non-tender this guy?
2: Okay. How, how like they were that this possible? week? Yeah. That was a great homer he had off Darvish. That was the the salary dump moment of the world baseball classic I'm reminiscing about how both guys got away. And by the way, you mentioned the Cubs we need to remind people Cubs spring training on the score sponsored by Sloan official water efficiency partner of the Chicago Cubs, Bruce. This was a great show. A lot of fun making our predictions, a lot of fun talking to our guys. We have a lot of people to thank. We think uh, Scott Merkin covers the White Sox from
4: MLB.com for joining us. Drew Smiley, the Cubs joining us as well. Sean Sears, a job tremendously well done as our producer. Every week, people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine on our website. 670thescore.com. Steve Rosenblum is next with his magical radio chops. David, have a great week. Next time I talk to you, we'll be in season. That will be exciting next
2: Saturday. We can't wait for that. We'll be able to look at the standings and see what the Cubs and the Sox are. Looking forward to everything this week. Opening day is Thursday. Molly and Hall, Monday morning at 530. We will talk to you then. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Bruce and Sean, for everything. This is Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
1: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?